Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week, I chose an episode of X-1 entitled Junkyard. X-1 premiered on NBC April 24, 1955. The first 15 episodes repurposed scripts from Dimension X, a short-lived science fiction anthology from 1950. The rest of the program consisted of all-new adaptations of contemporary science fiction stories, as well as original scripts by NBC staff writers. During its three-year run, X-1 produced 126 episodes, including stories from Philip K. Dick, Frederick Pohl, Isaac Asimov, Theodore Sturgeon, and Ray Bradbury. Junkyard was adapted from the short story by Clifford D. Simak, first published in the May 1953 issue of Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine. Simak was a prolific and award-winning science fiction author who began his writing career as a journalist right here in our hometown of Minneapolis. In 1939, Simic was hired by the Minneapolis Star, where he eventually became the news editor. During his time on the paper, Simak began submitting stories to popular pulp magazines, such as Hugo Gernsback's Wonder Stories and John W. Campbell's Astounding Stories. Over the course of his career, Simic published hundreds of short stories and over 30 novels, including multiple Hugo Awards, a Nebula Award, a Jupiter Award, and the Bram Stoker Award for Lifetime Achievement. X-1 adapted many of Simic's stories, including Courtesy, How To, Lulu, and Project Mastodon. Simic retired from journalism in the 1970s, but continued to publish fiction until his death in 1988 at the age of 83. In 2003, an asteroid discovered by an amateur French astronomer was named in his honor. And now let's listen to Junkyard from X-1. First broadcast February 22nd, 1956. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. In just a moment, X-1. But first, when you hear the hearty laugh and familiar voice of the great Gildersleeve tomorrow night, you know you're in for some hilarious adventures. Because wherever Gildy is around, why somehow things never seem to go as planned. It might be his impulsive nature, or maybe it's his incurable weakness for the fairer sex. But whatever it is, the great Gildersleeve is bound to keep you laughing for a full 30 minutes. Tune in tomorrow night and meet Judge Hooker, Nephew Leroy, Housekeeper Bertie, and all the rest of the friendly people from Somerville as they join the great Gildersleeve. And now stay tuned for X-1 on NBC. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire.
From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, presents X minus one. Tonight's story, Junkyard, by Clifford D. Simak. funny thing about the whole thing was the fact that we had never intended to land on Planet Nine. We circled it and decided it was strictly a low-grade affair. It wouldn't amount to anything for a billion years or so. As commander of a galactic survey team, I couldn't waste my time on it. Then my exec saw this junkyard through the telescope. We landed. Took a look at a load of alien machine parts discarded by some other spaceship and then prepared to take off for Earth. It had all been a waste of time. MacIver. This is Commander Warren. All secure? Yes, sir. Very well. Count down for blastoff. Engine room ready, sir. X minus five. Minus four. Minus three. Minus two. Minus one. Fire. Mac, what's wrong down there? Well, I, I don't know, sir. Brady, get the data analyzer ready. We'll have to correct for a new takeoff time. That's the first time I ever heard of engine failure before takeoff. Well, better before than after. Engine room? Yes, sir. What's happening? You boys ready yet? No, sir. Well, burn it, man. Get going. I want those engines started. Sir. What is it? I, I don't quite know what to say. Well, say something or I'll have you busted. We can't start the engines, Commander. At least I can. Well, why not? I don't know. Klein, put Klein on. Lieutenant Klein, sir. Lieutenant, what is going on down there? Is there something wrong with the engines? No, sir. I've double-checked them. Well, then let's get them heated up or we'll be on this godforsaken planet the rest of our lives. We can't do it, sir. Klein, suppose you tell me exactly why you can't start the engines. Can you do that? Yes, sir. All right, why? Because, sir, we can't remember how. What? Yes, sir. We've forgotten how to start the engines. Lieutenant, report up here in one minute. Bring Dr. Spencer with you. Yes, sir. All right, Brady, where have you got it? Got what, Iron? Don't play innocent. You and I have been doing planet surveys together for 15 years. You carry enough dead weight in grain alcohol on every trip to keep you happy for a million light years. Now, obviously, the boys in the engine room have gotten into it. Impossible. Where is it? I got a few fists in my locker, but nobody's touched it. I checked a few minutes ago. Well, then somebody has got some in the engine room. Come in. Lieutenant Klein, sir, I brought Dr. Spencer as ordered. Hello, Doc. Did Klein here tell you what's going on? He did. How long will it take you to get these guys sobered up? I can't. Why not? Because they're not drunk. I tested Klein in my office. Now, wait a minute, Doc. Are you trying to get me to actually believe that these men, intergalactic engineers with years of hyperficient experience, have forgotten how to start the engines of this ship? That's right. You... You're serious? Dead serious, Ira. Something, somehow has caused these men to forget how to start the engines. There it was. It fit in perfectly with a lot of other annoying little things that have been happening to us ever since we put down on Planet Nine. It was to have been a routine exploration of a low-grade, uninhabited planet. Some routine exploration. All right, Klein, now listen to me. 
Do you have manuals aboard? Engineering manuals? Yes, sir. Take the engine room boys and study those manuals. They'll tell you how to start the ship, won't they? Yes, sir. Okay, get going. Doc, I'd like you to stay here with me and Brady for a minute. Okay. Report back to me, Klein. Yes, sir. Okay, Doc, you're supposed to be an expert on space medicine. What is it? I've never seen anything like it, Ira. Brady? Search me, Captain. I've seen them with space blues, alien psychoses, the works. But I've never seen a disease that could make a crew forget how to start the engines. Maybe it isn't a disease. Okay, what then? Maybe it's a deliberate thing. You mean they're faking? No, I know Klein and the others too well for that. I mean, maybe there's some outside influence. Doc, we've surveyed this planet from top to bottom. We know there isn't a living cell on it. What about the junkyard? What junkyard? Oh, he means that pile of rusty space engine parts we found. The boys nicknamed it the junkyard. He's right. Somebody put it there. Well, we know that another spaceship landed here. We know that from the blast marks on the rock. We know that for some unexplained reason, they took their engine apart and tried to put it together again. We know they succeeded in building a much simpler engine leaving a lot of spare parts, and we know that they took off. The blast-off marks tell us that, too. What we don't know is whether or not they left somebody behind. Or something. What about that stone tower, Ira? The boys looked it over. It's just a pile of stones. They probably threw them together as a shelter while they were rebuilding their engine. Oh, that sounds too simple. I don't like that tower, Ira. Why not? I don't know. It was scary. It had that black look about it. The smell of death. I felt it when I walked past with Klein and MacIver. Oh, that's the Celt in you, banshees and spooks. I still don't like it. I need a drink. Skip it. We should be ready to blast off in a few minutes. Engine room. Engine room. What's going on down there? Engine room. Lieutenant Klein. Daddy. Is that you, Daddy? Did you bring me a present? Daddy, I'm scared. Holy mackerel, that's Klein. He's gone off his rocker. Klein. Doc, I think we better get down to that engine room. When Doc examined Klein, he found him to have the mind and memory of a six-year-old. That's it, Ira. Something drained Klein of his memory. And that's as much as I can tell you. That's a big help. Here's the manual he was reading. Well, at least we can follow this manual and get off this stinking planet. Could you hand it to me? Right here. Anything wrong, Ira? Is it all there? It's all here, Doc. This is the engine manual that tells all about the engines. How they operate, how to locate trouble, how to fix them, how to start them. Well, what is it then? You're sweating like a pig. All of a sudden, I can't remember the symbols. Doc, I've forgotten how to read. I left the engine room and went out through the lock to stand on the outside platform of the ship. I looked over the junkyard where the metal of the rusted engine parts gleamed. There was a riddle there. A riddle we hadn't been able to figure out. Why had an alien spaceship landed here, ripped out its engines, and then put together a simple, less efficient engine and taken off again? And they had worked in an awful hurry, judging by the mess they left. Why? Why? Mind if I join you, Ira? No, help yourself, Doc. How's Klein? We've made him some toys. He's playing with them. I've assigned Mac to see that he doesn't hurt himself. Doc. Yes? Have you got any ideas on what's happening to us? 
Well, man experiences incidents, gathers knowledge, knows emotions. Then, as he grows older, he begins to forget those experiences, forget that knowledge. That's what life is, a long series of forgettings. Here on Nine, in some impossible way, the forgetting is speeded up. It happens overnight. Oh, no, there's more to it than that. Well, I'm going back to my cabin and try to get some rest. That's me, Batters. What gives? We're in a jam. There's been planets I wouldn't mind being marooned on, you know. But this ain't one of them. There's something here, Ira. I can feel it. Yes, I can feel it myself. Maybe we should have looked around more. Klein looked around. Klein was the one found that tower. Bertie, that's right. He did. He said he didn't like it. He said it scared him. In the morning, Batters, we'll go and see that tower. <laughs> In the morning, I took Doc and McIver and Brady with me, and we walked across the valley to the stone tower. It wasn't much of a tower, maybe eight or nine feet high, made of rocks piled one on top of the other. Mm, pretty solid, well-built and odd. Type F culture, I'd say. Did anybody bother to look inside this thing? McIver, you were here with Klein yesterday. Yes, sir. We couldn't find a way in, Captain. Klein poked around but gave up. Uh, we'll make a way in. Stand back. I think I can shoot the top off it. Oh, now, that should be big enough for a man to lower himself into. Okay, pass a rope around my shoulders. Uh, Captain. Yes? In case there's anything, well, dangerous, maybe I ought to go. After all, I'm survey engineer. McIver's right, Ira. Okay, Mac, your responsibility. Yes, sir. Just fasten the rope under my arms. Mm -hmm. That's it. Now, I'll climb up and lower myself in. If I pull twice, haul me out. One pull means okay. Give me a hand, Brady. Huh? How about a quick shot of whiskey first? Never touch it. Uh, Ready? Yep. Can you see inside? Black as a tomb. I'm going to lower myself. Pay out a little rope. Well, it's been lovely. Here we go. One tug. He's on the ground inside. Yeah, I wonder what he's found. I still don't like it. Oh, Brady, there's probably another thing in there except a few... There's two tugs. Three. Come on, haul them out. Yeah, Brady, help me through the top. Right. Easy now, Mac. What the heck is in there anyway? Mac? Mac? Dada? Dada? Holy jumping asteroids. Doc, he's flipped. No, he hasn't lost his mind. He's just reverted to babyhood. We stood there at the foot of the tower, stunned. MacIver sat on the ground, happy as a clam, playing with his fingers and talking happy little nonsense syllables. Doc, take a look at him. Make sure that he's okay physically. Check. If it's fright, his pulse will be way up. Mac, let me have your hand. That's a good fellow. Now. Good heavens. What is it? I... I've forgotten what the normal pulse rate is. Pulse. Pulse? Doc, let's get out of here. Brady, pick up MacIver and bring him back to the ship. Come on, let's get away from this tower.
few minutes later, Brady and I sat in the captain's quarters. He didn't do much talking, just sat and tipped his bottle to his lips ever so often. Well, at least we know in a general way what we're up against. Do we? We know there's been knowledge lost, important information forgotten. Check. Now, that memory, that lost skill, that knowledge went somewhere. Maybe there's something in that tower that takes it away. And I have a silly feeling we might even get it back. Have a drink. That is, get a couple of men, volunteers. Now? Now. What for? We're going to find out what's inside that tower. Lowered a rotating infrared movie camera into the tower, took some pictures, and went back to the ship for a look. There was something in there, all right. Now, as far as we can determine, this thing we photographed is shaped like a watermelon standing on end. The movement of the hairs all over it suggests vibrations, such as an antenna of an insect. Underneath are wires leading to terminals that seemed plugged right into the thing. You think it's a form of life? My guess is a combination of living organism and machine. After all, man and machines work together. The difference is that man retains his individual identity. Well, since it doesn't locomote, somebody or something must have put it there. Exactly. It looks like some kind of communication organism. If it is, it's a communication machine that is built to take in information rather than pass it along. Doc, do you really think that egg in there has been stealing our memory? Why not? Well, because it's too... Too wild, that's why not. It's no wilder than a lot of other things we found. Say that that egg is a device for gathering knowledge. But there's no knowledge here to gather. I mean, how often does a ship land on an out-of-the-way melon like this? Wait a minute, Brady. Who says that knowledge has to be collected here? What? I said, why do we assume that knowledge has to be collected right here on Planet Nine? We forget things back on Earth, don't we? Uh, good Lord. Suppose you were some race setting out fish traps for knowledge, and you had plenty of time to gather it. Where would you put your traps? On a planet swarming with intelligent beings where the traps would be found and destroyed or their secrets snatched away? Or would you put them out on some second-rate world where nobody would ever bother them? Good heavens, I'd pick a spot just like this. Let me fill in this picture, Doc. I think that some unknown race is bent on trapping knowledge throughout the galaxy. Ira, if, if what you say is true, if it is then every time someone on Earth forgets something, it's because one of these eggs has drained it out of him. Well, it's too fantastic. Have you got a better guess? No. Well, the question is, what do we do next? If anybody gets near that egg, he winds up like some puling little baby. You were pretty near it that first day. Did you forget anything? Well, how should I know? I was too pleasantly lit up on grain spirits to know the difference. Well, the question is still, what now? I'm going outside to think. Ira, Yes? There is one thing to keep in mind. What is that, Doc? If those are memory traps, then there must be a way for somebody to empty them. And if we're ever going to get away from here, what's gone in has got to come out. I stood out on the platform of the ship and tried to make some sort of pattern of it. Forgetfulness. That was the key word. All through the galaxy, in every culture, there was forgetfulness. 
There were lots of learned theories, of course, kinks in the brain, neuroses, data processing. But suppose they were wrong. Might it not be that forgetfulness was caused by thousands upon thousands of these memory traps planted throughout the galaxy, nibbling away at the conscious memory of all the sentient beings that lived among the stars? On Earth, a man forgets slowly because the traps are far away. But here, in their very shadow, a man forgets suddenly. And then another thought entered my mind. What kind of race had set these traps? How did they empty them? How? How? Brady. Huh? Where do you keep your liquor? Not cheap. Come on, where? It's in my locker. Get it out of there, all of it. Ira. That's a direct order. Okay. All of it. That it? Yeah. I never thought I'd see the day when you pulled rank on me, Ira. If you confiscate this stuff, so help me, I'll never Who said you. anything about confiscating? That is, have you ever really hung one on? I mean, just got pie-eyed drunk. Well, let's see. Yeah, there was once on Mars. Was that the worst? It was beautiful. Took me three days to sober up. They say I fought off the whole galactic patrol for hours. Well, do you think you got enough here to get that polluted again? I got a pretty good supply, Ira. Well, that's good, because in one minute, I'm going to give you a direct order to hang on the biggest, most monstrous drunk in the entire history of the universe. But first, you have to volunteer. I volunteer. No, 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 not until I explain why I'm doing this. Ira, this sort of project don't need reasons. It's a pleasure. Let me finish. You know that egg up in the tower? Yeah. The minute you get near it, it grabs your mind, wipes it clean, right? Yeah. And a lead space helmet doesn't shield you, as we saw with MacIver. Right. Now, Doc thinks this egg is a kind of communications thing. It must be. Okay, you're a communications man. What do you do when you can't shield a communication? Well, that's easy. You scramble it. Any fool knows... Holy mackerel. Exactly. Are you still game? You think it'll work? I don't know. I think it might. Well, suppose it doesn't. You'd be a babbling infant like Klein and MacIver. If we don't stop that thing, it'll happen anyway. Unless we can remember how to start the engines. Okay, Ira. I'll do it. When do I start? Right now. Well, Ira, here's mud and your ever-loving intergalactic eyeballs. You know something? I'm beginning to like this mission already. Well, that kills the last bottle. How am I doing, our old buddy? You're not drunk enough. I should have picked somebody like Doc, except he'd probably pass out. I'm not drunk enough, huh, old buddy pal? Not yet. Well, then, in which case, old buddy, I'm going to have to do something I never like to have to do. What's that? I'm going to have to go into my extra special emergency reserve supply. It's a little supply I keep in case of getting marooned on a planet, you know? I don't like to go into it, but in this case, it's my duty. I'm a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech and a heck of an engineer. A rambling wreck from Georgia Tech and a heck of an engineer. Woo!
Blast off! Okay, I guess you're ready. What do you think, Doc? Most amazing thing I've ever seen. Is he drunk enough? What I want to know is what's keeping him conscious. Okay, Bad Ears, on your feet. Help him up, Doc. Rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. Let's go, Bad Ears. Right. Rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. Somehow we pushed, hauled, and stumbled Bad Ears Brady out of the ship and up to the rocks to the egg tower. We erected a tripod over the hole with a block and tackle, passed a rope around Brady's chest, and hauled him over the entrance to the tower. There he swung like some overstuffed pig, singing raucously under the eerie moonlight. Rambling wreck from Georgia Tech! Well, what do you say, Ira? We got the earphones on him so they can't slip off. They're on. Well, I guess we're ready to lower him. Ira! Yep. You sure? It's a man's life. I'm not sure, Doc. But as commander of this expedition, I sometimes have to risk the lives of my men. Okay, Ira. Lower away before I start to get sober. Lower away. Blast off. Fire one. Fire two. Bombly eye, Ira. Good luck, Brady. Good luck. He's at the bottom, Ira. Yeah. Bad ears, can you hear me? Give your hands on my hair. Something's got his hands in my hair, Ira. The thing must be picking at his brain. Brady, Brady, listen to me. Do you see the egg? See it? It's my buddy, Ira. My little old egghead buddy. You and me buddy's egghead, right? (laughs) Have a drink. Oh, good Lord. He's got a bottle with him. He's pouring it on the egg. Brady, Brady, listen to me. The wires. Wires? The lead wires you took in with you. Yeah. Pull out the studs on the egg and hook your wires to it. You got that? Uh, Just a minute. We and Egg is gonna have a drink. Oh, good heavens. It's no use, Ira. He's too drunk to know what he's doing. I'll try again. Brady, listen. Your friend, the Egg, can't hear you, see? He can't have a drink until you hook your wires into him. You got that? Sure. That's an awful thing. That's dreadful. Okay, okay. What's he doing? Doc, you getting any impulses? Not a thing. Maybe we'd better haul him out. If he starts to sober up... Maybe we'd better. Okay, one, two... Wait a minute, wait. wait. What? I'm getting something, Ira. What? This is fantastic. Oh, I'm getting something. All right, haul him out, quick. Come on. Rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. Rambling... Brady. Brady, are you all right? Doc, help me. Take a look at him. Is he okay? Yes, he's okay. Just passed out. Let's get him back to the ship. Right. You know what, Ira? What? Tomorrow about 9 a.m., we're going to be in on the most colossal hangover in the history of mornings after. We were in on more than Doc Spencer had bargained for. More than any human being had any business being in on. Oh! Well, Brady, how do you feel? Shoot me. You turned the trick. Trick? The tower. You hooked into the egg. The stuff is rolling out now. Doc and the boys have got a recording hooked up. The stuff they're listening in on is enough to set your teeth on edge. What stuff? The information that mind trap has been collecting for hundreds of years. It'll take us years to sort it out, but we're getting some of it straight already. Any of our own stuff? Plenty. Anything on engines? Well, not on our engines. So? We got the dope on the junkyard engine. Mac and the boys are hoping to get it assembled. 
we're ripping out our own engines and just keeping some of the parts. Another junkyard, huh? Another junkyard. The engine we're building now is superior to anything ever built. Pretty handy little gadget, that egg. Only one thing. What's that? Tell Doc if he comes across a good hangover remedy to let me know, huh? Oh. It took us about six days to assemble new engines using some of our parts and some of the advanced designs from the junkyard. During most of that time, Doc Spencer sat down at the tower with a set of headphones monitoring the information from the egg. He was like a man possessed. I didn't think anything unnatural was happening until the night of the sixth day. Well, that does it. The boys have got the engines ready for blast-off. Uh, there's a full moon, too. We should be able to lift her by tomorrow morning, huh? We're blasting off in exactly one minute, that is. What? In exactly one minute. But Ira, Doc, and some of the techno boys are down monitoring that egg. I know it. Well, it'll take them 20 minutes to get back into the ship with all that equipment. They're not getting back. Huh? I said they're not getting back. Ira, are you nuts? Come here, that is. I want you to take a look through this field scope. You can get a good close-up of Doc and the boys who have been monitoring that egg. Now, wait till I get it focused. You got him? Yeah. Take a close-up. Mother in heaven. You see why we have to leave them here? Those faces, they're like... like some kind of beast. What is it, Ira? What's happened to them? The same thing that must have happened to the crew of the last ship that touched here. The same thing that made them blast out of here in such a tearing hurry. What? That is, there isn't only knowledge in that thing. Those boys are monitoring something else. Something else. Personality, that is. They're not human anymore. They're turning alien. They were still there when the ship roared up away from Planet Nine and pointed her silver nose toward Earth. We could see them in the scopes. A group of tiny figures crouched over the recording equipment. Their earphones plugged into the egg. They didn't even look up when we blasted off. They were no longer human now. They were something else. Something a million light years old. And of another world. You have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, which this month features the R. DeWitt Miller story, Swenson Dispatcher, the story of a shrewd but unscrupulous spaceship dispatcher who tries to best the rival airlines by unethical means and with most surprising results. Galaxy Magazine, on your newsstand today. Tonight, by transcription... X-1 has brought you Junkyard, a story from the pages of Galaxy written by Clifford D. Simak and adapted for radio by George Lefferts. Featured in the cast were John Larkin, Bob Hastings, Mercer McLeod, Stan Early, and Jack Orison. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X-1 was directed by Daniel Sutter and is an NBC Radio Network production.
That was Junkyard from X-1 here in the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was your pick, right, Joshua? Yes, it was. Bringing back some X-1. It's been a long time. I I say it, I think, every time. I'll say it again because it's been a while. I still say that this is a contender for the best intro in the history of old-time radio. Uh, The intro is just so exciting it's so good yeah the first third of whatever story you're listening to can kind of suck right you're still going on the adrenaline (laughs) from that intro that's exactly right like you're like here we go that's we're going somewhere we're doing something so yeah why did you pick this particular x minus one i was a lot like you this time around where i struggled to pick an episode because i had something intangible in mind and i have a long list of episodes that i want to bring to the podcast but i think i deep down really wanted something fun and relatively light and most of what's left on my list is somewhat divisive or could be divisive and i just wasn't really in the mood to defend anything (laughs) (laughs) but i still wanted to bring something that had enough ideas and interesting details to generate discussion and something that i actually really really liked it's not that i couldn't defend this if i wanted to but because you're gonna have to defend this (laughs) (laughs) that's fine but i really really don't care i don't feel paternalistic toward it like you guys can rip it to pieces and i'll just pity you for not having any sense of fun (laughs) well you're gonna be sadly disappointed because i really like this and i think one of the main reasons is because of the roller coaster I was on of, I know what's happening. Oh, that's not what's happening. Oh, now I know what's happening. Oh, that's not what's happening. And I, I went through that about four times where I said, okay, that's cool. That's what, oh, that's not going there. Um, the only thing that I guessed at the end, the very end that didn't happen, that I think should have, is when they, when they were, why are we leaving those guys behind? <laughs> I thought it was because we're going to have these memory traps all for ourselves. I thought it was going to be a, a nefarious uh, taking over the universe kind of thing. And instead it was uh, because they're, they're doomed to die, which was fine. It was also a little because we're xenophobic. Right. right. <laughs> they are now an other and they cannot right, come with right. us. <laughs> but I thought it was really interesting and unexpected, the idea of memory traps. And I thought it was cool. It reminded me a lot of Star Trek, which is one of yeah. the reasons I brought it. It has yeah. that high concept science fiction in mm-hmm. it where there's some ancient alien thing that affects human history or biology in some way. Mm-hmm. And the crew has the kind of banter and camaraderie of the Star Trek characters. Yep. There also seems to be some sort of regulated mission they are on they don't mention a government or league of planets or anything but they have a type for different cultures at one point they say the tower right looks like a type f uh, right culture and so if you didn't know what year this was made i I think you could listen to it and really think oh they were totally ripping off star Star trek Trek, instead of oh no this is the golden (laughs) age science fiction that inspired star trek yeah i'm totally on the same page as you eric the only sort of critique i have is that last twist of they're becoming aliens is just not as big a fun twist as every other twist that had come so far right and 
that's barely a critique because the fun twists, uh, which I, it makes me sound like I love when people lose their memories. <laughs> I think I don't remember. Um, every idea was just not what I expected, and so much fun and mm-hmm. a delight to discover. I really like the idea of the fun and yet somewhat plausible idea of the only way to beat this thing is to be super drunk. <laughs> That, and that metaphor of scrambling the signal, like, that's perfect. Yep. I buy into it now. Yep. And it allows for really fun character stuff and plot devices. And... I learned a new song. Right. <laughs> oh, so speaking of the song, you don't know about this probably, but, um, and I was thinking about you too. I bet you they don't know this. The entire fight song for Georgia Tech goes like this. I'm a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech and a hell of an engineer. A hell of 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 an engineer. <laughs> I love their fight song so much. That's it. That's wow. what they sing. Somebody said, write a fight. Fine, I'll write a fight song here. We're done. I love the simplicity of that. Mm-hmm. I love the beauty of that. I like how funny it is. And then when he was singing it, I went, I bet you Joshua and Tim don't know that. Uh, that's the real song. That's I the real. it was part of the real song. I didn't know it was the totality of the real song. <laughs> hell of a hell of a hell of a hell of a It was designed for drunks to be able to remember Correct. the lyrics. <laughs> Correct. But the, the best part is, uh, instead of writing things, hell of a hell of a hell of a hell of a hell of an engineer. There, we're done. We're good. En- right? <laughs> we're really good engineers. We're done. And I also didn't know that song was that old. You know, what is this, 1952 or something like that? 56 is when this yeah, was recorded. Yeah, I guess that's not that long ago, but I just didn't think that in that time that it would be acceptable to sing out loud, hell of a, hell of a, hell of a, right? <laughs> I always assumed that was something that was invented more contemporarily, that fight song. So. The back then was heck of a, heck of a, heck of a. <laughs> uh, it probably goes back to the 20s. Yeah, and I guess. And they were far more freewheeling back then. There are some loopholes as far as you would think that the captain of the ship would have more knowledge of how to start it. <laughs> I wouldn't think in a day. If those guys die, we're screwed. No one here knows where the start button yeah, is. Yeah, the, the exact sp- the phrase of we don't know how to start it. See, like <laughs> They can't fix it fine. That makes right, sense. But right. just the on button? Right. <laughs> But this is a huge ship. Sure. You don't just start a sea ship by pushing we, a button. But if we've learned anything from uh, Star Trek, uh, the captain has immense knowledge of how everything works. Does he? Yeah. They're they, always relying on Scott. Yeah, but they always have, they, theory, they know uh, what they're doing. Administrative staff sort of in theory, come through some branch or the other. Maybe not engineering, but right. somebody. I would just say in general, there should be a backup plan to something happened to the guy that knows how to start the ship. (laughs) (laughs) I related to it because if my car won't start, that's it. Right. I'm trapped. Right. Depending where I am, I might die. Me too. (laughs) Because I don't understand. And I got the impression there was an entire engineering staff down there that they all forgot. Right. Still, I think the captain should be more knowledgeable than that. Well, he was prepared to read the manual. Yes, he was. He, he was prepared forgot. to tell someone else to read the manual. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I thought it was the ca- commander who eventually goes, give me that, and starts trying to read it. And right. After everyone else fails to do it. Uh, which in my ongoing category of irrelevant comic book metaphors, metaphor references, uh, it reminded me of the Tower of Babel storyline from Justice League. Pauses for no reaction. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, where Ra's al Ghul, I believe... Uh, oh, I know who that is. Oh, yes. Uh, via satellite, inter- interrupted everybody's ability to understand symbols. 
so they could no longer read. They also, uh, like in the middle of surgeries, couldn't interpret what the machines were telling them. So just suddenly no one could understand symbols. And it was a worldwide panic. It was interesting to have this devastating effect from that simple lack of symbol recognition. I found it a comforting idea to be able to blame my inability to recall names and words. Right. <laughs> that I love. An evil alien yep. well, somewhere remember, out there. Two, there was a reference uh, at some point, some utopian, I mean, not even so utopian scientist was talking about aging as this isn't inherently something we have to do. This is a more like a disease that happens to us that just it happens to everyone. But there is, in theory, some treatment for aging, which I, I love that I, that notion of forgetting isn't just a thing that happens because it is inevitable. It, it's a watermelon in space that is <laughs> eating right. your thoughts. Uh, there's a depressing line, though, that uh, that's what life is, a long series of forgettings. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yep. Ouch. In general, for something that could easily turn goofy and not enjoyable from the simplicity from the over-the-top character the drunk stuff all of that i found it to be quite compelling performance wise i thought everybody was staying very true to a reality of reaction i found it very realistic and very i i love the acting even with the drunk guy swinging they're like okay this is he's drunk and that's it's not a joke to the stakes because, oh no, right. our lives are in the in the right. hands of this messed up guy. They even took the time to earn how hilariously drunk he becomes right. because we have a scene where he's been drinking quite a lot, and they're like, "You're not drunk enough." Right, and so they intentionally again, the stakes are so high, we've got to bring him close to death. And that whole concept of doing that for the story could easily go down a, a pathway of ridiculous and ruin it. Instead, it was very real. Like, okay, this is not a joke. You've got to get drunk, and this is not fun. And the reaction, performance-wise, by the actors stayed within the realm of reality that I enjoyed. The drunk humor was presented in a very sober manner. <laughs> yes, that's a great way to put it. And um, that, that setup of... There was a ship here. They had to destroy and rebuild their engine. Mm-hmm. And we don't know why, but it becomes apparent pretty quick that we're probably going through the same process whoever was here went through. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think it was explicitly stated where the tower came from. Right. Was it built by the aliens to hide the egg? Or because it's described so primitively... Was it built by these guys who crash-landed to try to protect themselves from it? Oh, I didn't Ooh, think that. I didn't think of that. But it, it's interesting that I don't think it was mentioned. I listened to it twice, and, and they didn't really give any reason. They just left it mysterious, which I kind of like. Stop bragging about how many times you listen to this. <laughs> X-1 has a tendency, as you all know, to take me out of it and make me mad with their music. Mm-hmm. The music was great. I, there was nothing about the music that bothered me in this X minus one. I think your response to this really clarifies to me what you don't like about X minus one, and that is you do not like science fiction satire. No, not at all. <laughs> oh, I absolutely right. and agree. This has humor, but it is not satirical. Correct. Right. And so what X minus one tends to do is use comedy music of the period. Yep when they are doing a lighter-hearted, mm-hmm. uh, tongue-in-cheek type of sci-fi. It's you not nailed it. Yeah. If you can give me sci-fi, give me some sci-fi. 
Don't make yeah. fun of it. <laughs> sure. I was very excited to hear in this episode. They're counting down. They're doing the countdown. X minus five. Oh, they're doing it. And it's gonna go. And then it didn't happen. <laughs> countdown to blast off. <laughs> Why? It's really satisfying uh, and nerdy yep. and great fun. And one last thing, I definitely want to point out: as much as you're saying they ground the comedy with their performances Mm -hmm. and keeping the stakes intact they are also really good comic performers like when the jokes are funny they deliver them really really well like that whole setup of the drunk scene when the commander is asking uh bad ears i am gonna need you to do this for the universe (laughs) i need you to put on get on the biggest drunk in history i'll volunteer yeah Yeah. i'm in hilarious wait till i tell you what it is doesn't matter i'm in yeah it was very i'm drunk right now (laughs) the hero we need right uh it's really well done and the whole my little egg shaped buddy i am a sucker for that kind of old school drunk stuff that they totally earned Yep. It's not a cheap joke in this. I mean, it is. That's what's great about it. It's still a cheap joke, <laughs> but they earned the cheap joke. You know, we've talked about this before, all three of us. When you play drunk theatrically, the trick is a drunk is trying desperately not to look drunk. If you play drunk comedically, right, really drunk, it's not as good as real drunk. You know, like, I am just trying... <laughs> to maintain and I'm trying really hard not to look drunk is more effective. This is a great example of that being wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing cartoon character yeah. drunk and it actually works and surprisingly so. Yeah. Because being lowered down into that thing, no matter how drunk you are, you'd be like, okay, focus, focus. <laughs> you wouldn't be singing rambling right like, God damn, let's focus up. The implication, though, is that he consumed a terrifying amount of alcohol. Because, right, the yes. doctor at one point says, I can't even figure out how he's conscious. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was, the, I, he needs to be so drunk, he can't even have the thought of, I need to look not drunk. He needs to, right. But when I reach the point of so drunk, which has been a long time, I can't even focus on not looking drunk. It means I've fallen asleep. <laughs> at that point, I'm done. The other thing that this does, you know, I just mentioned, you know, it's been a long time. I don't drink that much anymore, right? And the reason is, is because I have become absolutely terrified of the hangover. I hate it so much that I don't drink because, because I'm like, oh, I'm just going to feel like hell in the morning, right? Listening to how much this guy was drinking, I kept thinking, oh, this is going to suck. And then they went there. <laughs> oh, I hate that feeling. You just get this sympathetic nausea. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why we're going so far into the nitty gritty of the drunkness, but that discussion of like, should we get someone else to drink all this liquor? No, it's got to be him. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, again, went out of their way to establish he is a veteran drinker. Yeah. Right? He, yes. They drop references to his alcohol earlier. He talks about, yeah, when we were out looking at that <laughs> tower, I was drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When this is all over, I hope they got him help. <laughs> Or a court martial. <laughs> right, right. Right. Uh, Thank God you're a drunk. I was really excited about what would be, I assume, the next two hours of the show when they got to the point of we have downloaded so much information off of this watermelon of like <laughs> not just our memories, but like all the memories this thing has stolen in its career on this planet. Which, by the way, if you've watched, it also reminded me of this. Uh, 
plot line of the discovery, the Star Trek series of the thing that's got all the information in the universe. Uh, I forget what it's called. I've watched the whole thing. You know, Google. Uh-huh. Yeah, Google. <laughs> yes, that's what they called it. Have you watched Discovery? No. I, ah, then you don't know what I'm talking about. No. Do you? No. I watched the first right, season. So didn't. somebody out there who's watched it is going, yes, right. That is a good correlation, right. Eric. So Justice let's League. pretend you're one of the <laughs> listeners and respond. Yes. I see what you're saying now. Yeah, thank you. Your observation is valid. (laughs) (laughs) I do agree with Tim's assessment at the end that that little twist comes a little out of nowhere, even though it is not in contradiction to the facts we already have, the idea that it could pull from a person more than just their memory, that it could cause some physical transformation, or when the commander uses personality, does he actually mean in 1950s talk some sort of biology component? Um, Right. Yeah, I didn't know if the implication was they were getting alien memories off of the device, off of the thing, and it was turning them into aliens, or if there was an implication that this was just a bigger trap that those guys have fallen into, and like, if we stay, we're going to be aliens, we got to go, we'll leave this mess here for someone else to sort out. It does beg a big question about how they are getting their memories back, though. Because as presented, they are merely getting the information back out of this egg, not directly into their own heads, but right. they have to relearn yeah. how to read. How long time passed, did they say? I don't recall... Because of a watermelon in space. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not getting old. And you listened to it twice. (laughs) The funny thing with all this memory stuff is that I sent this to you years ago Uh, and pitched performing it. And you preferred a different episode. So either you also had your memory of this wiped or... You never listened to it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's age. But, uh, what one did we end up doing? It was First Contact. Yeah. Oh. Also from that. X minus, well, maybe Dimension X, one of the X's. Yes. So back to my, I sidetracked myself because of the memory watermelon. Uh, but <laughs> also, if they have to absorb this information to learn how to read again and put together the engine, are they going to turn into aliens too? Or are they selectively relearning information and it was Doc and the crew on the planet who were just devouring it all? Should we send it to a vote? Yeah. Well, Joshua, we'll start with you because you brought it. I really, really like this one. Um, I found it interesting from an X-1 point of view because the series, as we already touched on tends to oscillate between these two different tones either dramatic hard science fiction or the satirical science fiction that eric really doesn't like and this tended to marry them to a degree i don't think it's necessarily satirical but it uses as we mentioned comedy in conjunction with drama in a way that really works well and in that way it's kind of an outlier in the series mm-hmm. uh, so overall i think it is really fun smart ambitious but not afraid to be silly too which i really enjoy so i think in that way it stands the test of time for sure um, i don't know yeah. that it's a classic but it's solid x minus one 
it falls into that sweet spot for me. It didn't go too far this way or that way. I, I found it interesting. It was enjoyable. It's not classic by any means, but it also stands the test of time in the sense of someone could listen to that and go, that was fun. So that's about as far as I will go with it, but uh, I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, I'm on the, the same page. As, uh, really enjoyed it. Certain stands the test of time. I think any modern listener, whatever their experience of radio, would listen to this and enjoy it. I don't think it's a classic, not because of any failing, just because it does not rise above and no. become superlative, but really good. Really enjoyed it. Stands the test of time. It's right in that sweet spot, isn't it? Of Yeah, that was good. Thank you. And that's what I was aiming for. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, tell him stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That is the home of this podcast. You'll find many other episodes there. Uh, you can leave comments on episodes. You can vote in polls. Let us know if you agree with us, if you think we're terribly wrong, uh, if we're close, but you have some nuanced more uh, opinion. You can do that. You can also send us messages. You can link to our social media pages. You can link to our Threadless store and get swag. Or you can link to our Patreon page. Yes, go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. We have all kinds of bonus podcasts on there. I, how much content do we have now built up? A lot. Well, yes, many, many podcasts you can download and listen to if you like science fiction we have listened to a number of sci-fi episodes including uh dimension x and x minus one so much i mean let's cut to the chase give us money thank you if you'd like to see us performing live we do recreations of classic old-time radio shows and a lot of our own original work live on stage performing audio drama uh you can see where we're performing every month we perform somewhere once a month by going to ghoulishdelights.com or mysteriousoldradiolisteningsociety.com. There you'll see where we're performing, what date we're performing, and what we've chosen to perform that month. And if you can't make it to the actual venue that we're at, uh, you can, by being a Patreon, get the video of our performances as part of being a Patreon. It's, it's So you can watch it that way. So if you want to come see us and you're like, I don't want to be a Patreon, but I want to see you, well, then you have to be a Patreon. So we, we got you. I don't know. Hey, what are we uh, going to listen to next? Next, we have a listener request. It is an episode of The Price of Fear entitled, Come As You Are. Until then... Look out! Okay, before anybody sends us an email, Eric was wrong. There are more lyrics to the Georgia Tech fight song, Ramblin' Wreck. In fact... Here is a 1953 recording made by the Georgia Tech Band and Glee Club. (laughs) ¶¶ 